I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. As a stand-up comedian, of which I am not, I tried it but once. But you are hilarious, and I've been your fan forever. Oh, thank you. You know, I should say right now, I'm married, so I'm off the table. We could do weekends. Get your bullshit detector and get it honed. Are you mad about something? Go out and seek people who are mad about related things, and also listen to them if part of what they're mad about is you. You actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the good stuff. I think it is the good stuff, and I think we need the good stuff, always. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on, peeling back the layers and getting dirty, which takes us right to cryptocurrency. Talk about something that there are so many layers to peel off of, and there is an area of really getting dirty. First of all, what the hell is it? What is cryptocurrency? What is a Bitcoin? Why are so many intelligent and wealthy people taking the risk of using or investing in a currency that doesn't actually exist? Well, it seems to be sticking around and people are talking about it. So, Jesus, what am I missing here? I remember, God, it was like a year ago, and I'm sure many of you read the story. This was the most terrifying, (laughs) terrifying cautionary tale about a guy who had hundreds of millions of dollars in cryptocurrency, particularly in Bitcoin, all locked in his wallet. And 
Apparently, you have three password tries to unlock your wallet and get to your money. And he forgot his password. And after his third try, instantly lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, to me, this was like the movie Jaws of finance because it terrified me. I broke out in a cold sweat thinking, oh my God, can you imagine the idea that you could have hard earned money that would just disappear in a second? So I'm putting my toe back in the water and I want to learn about it. I want to understand it because maybe that will make me less afraid. And everybody says the man, the crypto king is Michael Novogratz. Why? Because he's the founder and CEO of Galaxy Digital, which is primarily focused on digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and blockchain technology. Don't freak out. We're going to learn about this in a little while. He was formerly a partner and president of Fortress Investment Group and a partner at Goldman Sachs. Novogratz studied economics at Princeton University and served as a helicopter pilot in the U.S. Army. He's a badass. He also hosts a podcast, Next with Novo. Mike Novogratz, you are the crypto king. Everybody I've talked to says, oh, you want to talk about cryptocurrency? Talk to Mike. So thank you for being on the podcast. I mean, this is like when I first gave my mother the iPhone and she didn't know how to, this is how I am with cryptocurrency. So this is cryptocurrency for dummies, cryptocurrency 101. You are going to walk me through this whole new wild west as if I'm eight years old. Okay. Got it. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to hit you with the hard one. What the hell is cryptocurrency? All right. So (laughs) the the genius of this guy, Satoshi Nakamoto, who who wrote the paper, the Bitcoin white paper, who kind of invented cryptocurrency. But a while ago, right? A few years ago. Yeah. uh, 13 years ago, 2008, was that he created the first digital signature that you could encounter that. And if you think about what that means, like when you and I were growing up and we were on computers, you could control copy paste. And so if there was a you know, hot picture of Ali Wentworth, I could make thousands of them and send them to all my friends. Oh, I wish you did. And one would be no different than the next. Right. And Satoshi, you know, used cryptography to create this, this system where I can do a digitally unique asset. And so there are 21 million Bitcoin. He created 21 million digitally unique Bitcoins. and all of a sudden, when something has scarcity, it has value, mm-hmm. right? And so why are Picassos so valuable? Because there are not that many of them. There's a community of people that tell the narrative, tell the story of Picasso, right? From um, museums to gallerists to art historians. And there's a small group of people, probably less than a thousand on the planet, that have ever even thought of buying a Picasso. But it creates value because if it's scarcity. Okay. So basically he created something that is finite. Yes. There's only a certain amount of Bitcoin. And so, like you said, whenever there's something that there's a limited supply of, that's what we all want. So how many Bitcoins are out there? Well, there are 21 million total that'll ever be mined. Okay. About 19 million have been mined. And so what do you mean by mind? I told you this is toddler time. Right. So the way he decided to distribute Bitcoin was he created a system where 
computers would have to solve mathematical problems. And if you solve the math problem, you'd get a Bitcoin. And as there were less and less Bitcoins, the problems would get harder and harder to solve. And the more people that tried to solve them, right, they'd get harder and harder to solve. And so it's really turning electricity into value because you need electricity to run these Bitcoin mining machines, which are just computers that run really complicated math problems. So if I answer a math problem, I get a Bitcoin? Yeah, you know, but it's a pretty complicated math problem. It's really just multiply two giant numbers times each other, right? The bigger they are, the more computer power you need to do that. And so it wasn't like an intellectual, it was raw horsepower of a computer using electricity to get a Bitcoin. It was kind of an ingenious idea on how you would slowly dribble out the monetary supply. Because if on day one, he said, hey, here are 21 million, uh, how do you ever get any sense of narrative or story or scarcity coming up? But he, he let them slowly be mined. And mind is using these computers. That's it. So you're actually not digging anything. They call it mining because it feels like, you know, Bitcoin mining. But the computer, the computer does all the work. Yes. So you're just sort of plugging it in. And your computer is rapidly trying to figure out the code that gets you the Bitcoin. Right. Which is why everybody's buying those special... ASICs chips. Chips, yeah, that can make it go very fast. Okay, I understand that. I have to get one of those. <laughs> you could have originally used a computer like your laptop. Now there are farms of these giant computers with the fastest chips in the world. Because if you have cheap electricity and a cheap chip, and you run it really efficiently, you can mine Bitcoin at much cheaper prices than they sell for. And so lots of people around the world, first the Chinese, but all over the world, uh, have spent fortunes building these giant data centers to mine Bitcoin. And that network of miners uh, who spend lots of money creates the security in the system, right? So Bitcoin lives on a blockchain. All a blockchain is is a database. So think like a Microsoft Excel database. But if you control the database, you can change the numbers all the time, right? If it's just me and you that we're sharing the database, we could screw over everybody else by changing the numbers. If it's five of us, the five of us could collude to change the database. And so what Bitcoin is, is a distributed database. So everybody that runs one of these mining nodes gets a copy of the database every 10 minutes. And so as the new transactions are put onto the database, right, it's called hashed. They're hashed into the database. Uh, they're basically there permanently because you would have to convince 20,000 people all to change the input at the same time, which is almost impossible or is impossible. Now, it gets even more safe because the moment the next group of transactions gets put onto that blockchain, like the next block in the chain, it's even harder to go change the data from 10 minutes earlier or 20 minutes earlier or 30 minutes earlier. And so these chains build on top of each other and really become permanent databases, not just permanent, but publicly available. And so you can look and you can see every transaction that's ever happened from day one of the Bitcoin blockchain on what happened. This address sent this many Bitcoin to this address. Hmm. And that gives transparency. And it gives a sense of finality. And so over time, you're going to see more and more public data held on these things called blockchains. Uh, they came out of a, a period where people started losing trust 
right? Trust in our government, trust in banks. Mm-hmm. Remember the financial crisis, we all thought J.P. Morgan was going out of business. Right. Bear Stearns did go out of business. Merrill Lynch almost went out of business. And so this idea of trust authority, people started questioning. The, the energy of this movement is Gen Z and millennial. Right. It is an F you to the man, F you to the system. Right. And you're cutting out the middleman, right? You're controlling it yourself. Yes. One thing that drives me crazy is like libertarian politicians love crypto and progressive don't. And I think libertarians love Bitcoin because it's anti-government and it's privacy. Right. And so progressive should love it because it's cutting out the red taker. And so I actually think it should be bipartisan. Uh, and, and the progressives don't have a great argument against it. It's more of an emotional reaction. And I think it was the early stories of Bitcoin using too much electricity. Uh, in crypto, they have this word called FUD, which is, you know, obst- obstructing the truth in lots of ways. Fear, obstruction, and doubt, FUD. And so everyone says, oh, my God, Bitcoin's going to use all the electricity on the planet, which is not true. It uses like 0.12% of the electricity. Uh, so a tiny amount. But there's a story that it's going to ruin the planet. And, and they hooked onto those stories and never really did the homework. Ah. So I'm like, dude, this is the most progressive thing we've seen in a long period of time, right? It's going to take banking fees to zero. Right now, this year, Americans will spend $8 billion on bounced checks, $8 billion. And so it's a tax on the poor. And that should be zero. You say it's a tax on the poor, but isn't cryptocurrency a rich man's game? In general, I mean, is it all bought up now? Can I still get a Bitcoin? Sure, you can. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's interesting, but Black Americans uh, and Latino Americans hold a much bigger percentage of their wealth in crypto than white Americans do. Young people by far hold a much bigger portion of their wealth. So it's really, listen, there are rich guys like me that own a bunch of crypto, but when I look at it as an asset class, the progressives should love it, right? It's Black and Brown and young. So why is everyone so scared of it then? Because when originally any new technology came out, it was associated with illicit activities. There was a thing called the Silk Road where you could, you know, buy drugs, God forbid, or, you know, even worse. Um, And people were using this thinking, oh, it's easy. The the cops can't find me. I mean, the exact opposite happened when I said earlier, every transaction is publicly on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. They're security companies now that help law enforcement figure out where the Bitcoin went. But originally, it had this reputation of being used for illicit stuff. Think about when we first used the the internet, like 75% of internet traffic was porn. Mm -hmm. Not not mine, but other people's. No, I know, not yours. And so it got this reputation and people didn't do their homework. Right. About a year ago, myself and a few other more senior guys in the space, hired a guy named Mike Morell, who had 30 years in the CIA, unbelievably respected in intelligence. And he did a about a 45-day report where he went and visited all the intelligence agencies. He had visited all the security companies and came back with this conclusion that Bitcoin is actually used far less than cash and less than the uh, legacy banking system for illicit usages. And that if you're going to create a system to catch criminals, it would look like Bitcoin because it's all on this public ledger. Right, right, right. And so a lot of this is a PR battle we lost early. And again, the Dems haven't haven't kind of come up to speed on the reality. They're fighting against a story that's not true. Got it. So what's the end game with cryptocurrency? Like for somebody to 
invest in it? Is it to get rich? Is it because it's going to be the new currency of which we're all going to, you know, buy and trade on? No. So I think cryptocurrency is a funny title because it incorporates a few different movements that are going on. So I think most people should buy some Bitcoin as digital gold. In the same way, before Bitcoin, I would tell you to buy some gold, Mm -hmm. right? We have a terrible budget deficit in America, right? It's 130% of debt to GDP. When I started on Wall Street, it was closer to 40. And so this generation in charge, right? The baby boomers from Elizabeth Warren to Joe Biden to Donald Trump, all of them, right? McConnell, this group that's been in charge for 30 years have pretty much bankrupted America, right? So, so the amount of money our new generations owe back is more than any American generation ever had to think about. Most likely, the only way that debt gets paid back is through inflation. And we're seeing inflation right now. Right. And so holding a hard asset, gold, Bitcoin, real estate, mm-hmm. does really well when inflation eats away the rest of the value of your, of your dollars. And you're seeing it right now. The middle class is upset with Biden because milk's so expensive. So you get paid, you know, $20 an hour, $30 an hour, and all of a sudden gas is more expensive, milk's more expensive, oranges are more expensive, lumber's more expensive. You're like, shit, I'm losing, not winning. Mm-hmm. And so Bitcoin as an inflation hedge or as a hedge against the basement is something everyone should have in their portfolio. I don't think we're going to use Bitcoin to buy glasses or orange juice, but we are going to change our payment system to digital dollars. And we've already done that, right? Apple Pay, Venmo, mm-hmm. those are centralized platforms of digital dollars. My strong intuition is we're going to go to a crypto version of that. So Venmo is still bookkeeping, where, where crypto is you own it, you own it. And so you're going to see, and we already have the US dollar in token form. There's a thing called USDC. And pretty soon on your phone, you're, you'll have a wallet. And your wallet will have your opera tickets, your Bitcoin, your stocks that are held in token form, and your dollars, and many other things. And so that's the transformation that's happening. Right. And it's time for a short break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, 
free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Great. Let's get back to it. So Bitcoin, let's say I bought, how are they sold? I bought six Bitcoins or I bought 3% share. Like, how does it work if I'm investing or I'm buying? You can buy whatever dollar amount of Bitcoin you want. A Bitcoin right now is roughly $42,000 per Bitcoin. Let's say I buy one. Right. <laughs> I buy one. So you buy one Bitcoin. Yeah. So now I have a Bitcoin. Yes. What am I doing with it? My husband leaves me for his secretary. We didn't pay our mortgage, but I have this Bitcoin. So if you want to sell it for dollars, you can sell part of it. You can sell a half of it, a quarter of it, a tenth of it. Mm-hmm. If you bought it, like I bought it at $100 and now it's at 40000 and so... If I sold it at 42000 I'd have to pay tax on the difference between just like an equity. I think Bitcoin can get up to 500000 over the next five or six years. And so I would advocate to hold it. But I wouldn't tell you to put all of your money in Bitcoin because you need money to you know, live and pay your rent and everything else. Do you think it's more of a sure thing than real estate? I think it's Probably not more of a sure thing, but I think on a risk-adjusted basis, it's a, it's a better bet. I think real estate will go up in value as well. Okay. I just think Bitcoin has a chance because we're so early in the adoption cycle. Yeah. As more and more people adopt Bitcoin, I think the the prices can go much higher. But if I was younger and didn't have a lot of money, I'd put something in it. It went up twenty five, so I put a thousand dollars, and now it was worth fifty thousand. I might sell it to buy my first house. I like. I can't have all my money in it. So the impetus to sell is so strong with people. Yeah. And this was one of those things you were just really benefited just to sit and hold. Matter of fact, there's an expression in crypto called HODL, hold on for dear life. (laughs) Just hold. Really? Yeah. They're just in it for the long, long term. Yeah. Like if I bought Bitcoin today, I would just hold on to it and give it to my kids probably, right? Yes. There are people that would 100% will do that. And they literally have an identity. They're called HODLers. And so it's kind of funny that there's an entire lexicon language culture that's built up around this, you know, wag me is another one. Wag me. We're all going to make it. Or if you're a crypto skeptic, you're a NGMI, never going to make it. It's a whole language. It's a whole language. So I have to go to the new school to learn this language so that I can trade in Bitcoin is what you're saying. Get on. You got to get on Twitter. What about forgery? Is there any kind of criminal... Um, activity that you could see in this crypto world? Well, listen, there are a few ways that people got burned early. It wasn't the Bitcoin themselves. It's impossible to crack the Bitcoin code. But if you were a fly-by-night brokerage shop and you said, hey, buy your Bitcoin with me and I'll store them for you. And you had them on your laptop. Someone stole your laptop and you lost my Bitcoin. And so, you know, there's a whole industry of how people hold their Bitcoin in 
non-custodial wallets. So they're wallets that you can get on the internet for free. Or if they're bigger amounts, we own a custodian called BitGo that is the second largest custodian. And the safest places, they take them off the internet. So they take them off the electronic ecosystem and put them in what's called cold storage. Uh, I used to, when I first bought them, I had a safe in my room. And we would take the computer and we'd put it in the safe and we'd lock the safe in the locked room. And finally, we had so much value. One of these guys from the army worked for me. He's like, well, how much is in there? And I started doing the math. And he was like, we should get some like Mossad agents. (laughs) (laughs) So then we we realized we should put it into a, a cold storage place. So why couldn't I come up with a whole system where I go, it's carrots, come buy carrots. You know what I mean? Like, because everybody could sort of create their own Bitcoin world. Yeah. Yeah. So people started thinking, well, if I can do that with these things called Bitcoin, I can do it with art, right? NFTs are digital assets that are unique that live on a blockchain. So let me tell you a story about there's this young woman, Irene Zhao, who is like a social media influencer. Think of a young Paris Hilton, an Asian version. Mm-hmm. And about a year ago, she started putting up sexy photos of herself, but very sweet, like funny little expressions all about crypto on both Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And because she was very witty, she was kind of playing a bit with everybody. And because she's very pretty, her following grew and grew. So now she has 500,000 Instagram followers and 150,000 Twitter followers. So she issued NFTs, like her own currency, it's 10,000 of these pictures of her. And she auctioned them off just recently, the last couple of days. And what she in effect was doing was monetizing this community she's built out. We call them social tokens. Her breakthrough was she issued a social token in the form of an NFT. Right. So an NFT is a a unique object. She did 10,000 objects that were unique, but all looked the same. Like, you know, they were all versions of her. Right. These things are now trading at, you know, 10 to $15,000. Multiply that by 10,000, right? So she's monetized this network. And so while it's not a currency, it's kind of like a currency, right? Right. You have one of the Team Irene cards, And you're seeing that with so many different communities. So we have a joint venture with Major League Baseball called Candy. And we're making digital memorabilia for baseball players. So instead of buying a baseball card, you're getting a NFT version, a unique three-dimensional object. We might do a thousand of them, but then you know there's only a thousand uh, that collectors are buying. And they're buying because they think the price will go up. And so there's a gambling aspect to it, but there's also a collecting aspect to it. Last week alone, we just started this secondary marketplace where you can buy your old card for someone else's card. It did $3 million of business. So this is using that technology of, hey, I can create a scarce digital asset, doing it with somebody famous, a baseball player, and creating a marketplace. And so it really is, how can I connect community to each other? But young kids don't go to games right? If you go to baseball games, it's great. So how do I get young people engaged? So the baseball guys, hey, we can get them engaged through this world of crypto. And all of a sudden, you're pulling them into their communities. I'm surprised like Comic-Con hasn't done this. They will. They will. Every one of the big Marvel and Disney. And I mean, what's why Facebook renamed their company Meta, right? As we're moving into the metaverse. Right? So what is the metaverse? Oh, God. The metaverse is this world that's 
beyond the reality, right? So it's our phone, it's the screen. Pretty soon it's AR, right? So I'm going to have glasses. I'm going to hit a button on my glass and you could be dressed in Gucci all of a sudden. I'm like, Ali, nice Gucci. It'll be digital Gucci. Right. But I had to buy it, right? Yes. You'll have to buy the digital Gucci from the digital Gucci store. Right. And I can buy a house. Yes. In this sort of fantasy world. Yeah. It's you, you don't find this somewhat. I find it unsettling. <laughs> I, you know, I find it an adventure. Listen, if you look at how much time kids spend on video games, and if you think about a world where labor is being replaced by electricity, right? So when I say that, labor is slowly being replaced by robots and computers. Mm-hmm. Not tomorrow, but if you look 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you just see it happening. Humans are going to have more and more free time. And part of that is play. And part of that's living in a virtual world. And some of that's making a living in a virtual world. You can envision a world where me and you are meeting instead of on Zoom in some really cool Shanghaiese bar in the metaverse. And I'm not looking at your picture, but I'm looking at your avatar. And you might be a Shanghaiese, you know, hot 21-year-old that I'm flirting with and paying you tips in Bitcoin as you're serving me beers. And you might make your living as a Shanghaiese bartendress. I mean, that there's there's a thousand ways this is going. I would tell you it's going with an accelerating pace. Yeah, I think you're getting a call, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> when I talk to uh, when I talk to young people in the space, I'm like, I originally thought, oh, like I get the metaverse. Well, like visit it like we visited an amusement park. Right. And they're like, dude, you're so old. Like we already live in the metaverse. And think about it. The next generation they call Gen Glass, right? If you grew up with a phone in your hand, like if you just watch the dexterity of these young guys with their phone and their game. And, yeah. and that's just all accelerating. And why crypto is important is because all of a sudden you'll be able to have scarce goods and ownership in that world. Like you can have a metaverse where we all just go and play, but if you want to own things, you create value there. That's where the blockchain comes into play. And what happens to the value of the tangible stuff in the quote unquote real world? That's really interesting. You know, so I have one friend who has literally spent $90 million on what's called generative art. And this is art in the metaverse. This is not art hanging in his walls, right? Well, he could take a piece and put it on, on a big giant screen. Generative art is art that's created by code. So these really creative guys write lines of code and they like run it randomly and it generates a picture. And they're like, whoa, that's cool. And they'll sell that. It's unique. Mm-hmm. He sold a bunch of his renaissance paintings that he had been collecting because he's like, eh, no young guys are going to buy one of these crappy renaissance paintings. So he's the first guy I know that sold old masters to buy maybe the new masters. I, You know, I'm 57 and I've just started buying art and I, I'm still buying a lot of tangible stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like it feels better to be my generation, but I've also bought some NFTs. But the thought is your kids might not even look at the stuff you used to look at, right? Their artists will be digitally native people that they grew up with. Are you concerned at all about just human beings and socialization and and reality, that kind of stuff? Or you think this is where we're going and fasten your seatbelts? I think we're going this way. I am concerned at some, right? And I'm, again, the older you are, you're like, I actually like to have real sex, not internet sex. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But it's funny. I, I, I've literally seen the robots that are coming with faces that look like mine and yours. 
And you can meet your Shanghaiese buddy in Avatar and probably have that face projected on a robot like you saw in Blade Runner 2. So we're in this really weird world where humanity is going to start meshing with this internet space. Um, but I don't think we have control over it. Right. And and financially, Bitcoin is like the first big leap into this world, right? It's the currency that we need to probably buy stuff. Bitcoin was. Then there's this second big thing called Ethereum. Right. And in some ways, Ethereum is the currency of culture. So all the NFTs are bought with Ether or Ethereum. It's like Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but it's a far more flexible and programmable blockchain. So I talked about that database, right? that Bitcoin all lives on a database. It's a pretty rigid database and it was meant to be slow and expensive to use because you're securing value. Right. Where this young Russian kid named Vitalik had this idea, it's like we can use the same concept and make it much more flexible so you can build contracts on it, put your music on it. You can do anything you want on this blockchain and share things. And so that's the second largest ecosystem. And that right now is the currency of culture. And so if you're going to buy an NFT, you're going to have to buy it with Ether. Okay. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. And we're back. So explain this to me. All right. I say, Mike, how do I get some ether? Because I want to buy some shit. What do I do? What's the first thing? Do I Google ether? So you could set up a Coinbase account. You could set up a Gemini account. How does somebody do that? You go online. The, the, the most downloaded apps 
on the app store over the last two years have been these crypto companies that are taking retail accounts and setting them up Mm -hmm. so they can buy crypto, like a retail brokerage account. And you put in dollars and you can buy whatever cryptocurrency you want. And then they hold it for you in a wallet. Okay. And then when I decide I want to go buy something in the metaverse, I go to my crypto wallet and use that money to buy my cool St. Bart's. Yes shack on the beach. You will most likely at this point have a MetaMask wallet and that will store your NFTs and your Ether to buy your NFTs. And so all of this stuff is still relatively new. And so what you're going to see in the next few years is the user experience get so much better and the complexity get blended away. Like when you watch TV, you don't know how the TV works. You're just like, it's the TV, right? Right. Right. In, in 10 years, crypto is going to be the same way. You're like, there's not going to be, I need a MetaMask wallet and I'm using it. It's all going to be much more fluid. Uh, you have to remember, we're literally 13 years after Bitcoin and about eight years into the Ethereum world. And so it's a really young industry. Why I'm so optimistic on it is I look out, I have 560 employees now and we're hiring the best and brightest from wherever we want. Like when I started in crypto, we didn't have that kind of talent, but now you can hire anyone you want. And we don't know hire all from Stanford. We get some off, off Twitter, you know, these, what they call crypto degens, degenerates. They've just spent all their days learning about what's happening. And so it's become a movement, but it's got unbelievable human capital going into it and money. Yeah. So there's been over $60 billion of venture in the space this year. And so markets can go up and down, but it's hard not to see this thing accelerating. And does the cryptocurrency market go up and down? It does. Yeah. It does. Bitcoin was 69,000 three months ago. We all felt, oh, it's so great. And now it's 42,000. So it's like, oh, it's not as great. Again, if you bought it at 100, you still feel like a hero. If you bought it at 69,000, you feel like spinning up. And so just like any market, you have to make sure you don't buy into hysteria. But my strong advice to people who are getting started is take two, two to three percent of their net worth and put it in and and don't buy it and sell it. Sit with it. And that'll force you to start watching and paying attention to what's happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe buy half Bitcoin and half Ethereum or buy a third Bitcoin, a third Ethereum and a third Galaxy stock. That's our company. I had to make a pitch. (laughs) Um, But it forces you, once you have skin in the game, Mm -hmm. you start paying attention. What do you see 10 years from now? What is what does this whole world look like to you? I, you're probably not going to be on podcasts explaining it anymore. You're going to be on podcasts talking about our new president that is a robot. It's interesting how crypto is moving into politics, right? So, you know, like there are 60 million Americans, mostly young, that care about crypto. That's a big constituency. Yeah. And so you're seeing people wake up also. You'll see a bunch of, of candidates in this midterm. That'll come out. In terms of like the wealth disparity in our country, is it taken by people that understand this world as a level playing field? No, no. People listen, I think the ethos of this space is collaborative, Mm -hmm. it's open source, it's transparent, uh, and it's egalitarian. People went into this to build a better world. They're not dumb. If you didn't have money to buy it, it was Hard. Now, listen, there's been about $2 trillion of wealth created in the last 10 years, really in the last five years. A lot of that is disproportionately owned by young people relative to what they would have made in the stock market. But if you think about the baby boomers still own most of the money in this world and in our country. 
And so, again, it didn't fix those problems overnight, but it is it is helping some. And it's got the potential to help more. And so why politicians quickly learn not to screw with the crypto community is because they're so passionate. So if I were running for president, I would say I'm pro cryptocurrency and I'm going to get rid of all your student debt. And then I'm in. Yes. I am in the White House. You're on your way. Yeah. So here's my last thing I will rant about. Yes. So I graduated college in 1987, right? If you want to think about globalization or the baby boomer era, it starts, call it 89, 90. Clinton becomes president in 92. Clinton, Bush, Trump, all born the same year. Think about that. Mm -hmm. They had 20 years of representation of that one birthday, right? If you think about the way it works, you're supposed to get one year of representation. And so this group of leaders we've had for 30 years has taken our country from 40% debt to GDP to 130% has taken inequality to something that felt pretty normal to something that feels like, you know, pre-French revolution, uh, right? We're the most unequal we've ever been. Mm-hmm. We've taken our planet from something that felt stable to now I keep being told in 10 years, the planet's going to melt down. The average American man and woman has gained 35 pounds since I graduated from college. The average American woman is now five foot four, 170 pounds. So we have, an, we have an obesity and health epidemic. Yeah. So all, all on the watch of Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump and Bill Clinton and Hillary. And so what I say to the crypto kids, because I hear it, is like enough, enough of this generation, the selfish generation of baby boomers that have done a shit job stewarding our economy. It's time for them to get off the stage and let new people try new ideas. Why crypto won't go away is because that's the energy. And they're so sick that they even vote almost. They're like, I'm not, we're just going to build our own system. But there's such a lack of humility amongst our current group of leaders. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be in charge. Well, you guys have done a shit job. You know? And listen, I'm a baby boomer by 34 days, November 26, 1964. So it pisses me off. So I, I identify as Gen Z. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm really a cusper. I'm really a cusper. But I think politically, we're stuck in this world of 80-year-old and 78-year-old politicians who don't even understand, you know, how, how to log into an iPhone half the time. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. And I think that that's what originally excited you about all of this. hundred percent. There's a sense of revolution. Yes, exactly. Like there was a thing called Constitution Dow, where there was a constitution for sale. A Dow is a, like a company. It's a decentralized autonomous organization. But think of it like a company. No one knew how much a constitution would be. So these young kids, they all pledged money to a nonprofit, $200 on average, to buy the constitution. And then they were going to have this group of people who were more scholarly that got to decide what museums they would lend it to. And But it was kind of like, give it back to the people. And they raised $43 million in three days. Jesus. And they almost bought it. One hedge fund guy decided he was going to buy it and pay more. But it was such a beautiful story. It was like, hey, again, hit the spirit of the ethos of community and giving. Mm-hmm. And if you ask Gen Z, they think the Constitution should be owned by the people, not by some rich billionaire. It's just it's a different ethos than baby boomers. Right. We're, we're looking at doing something that with dinosaurs, right? It used to be like a great macho thing. Myra Nierwald, who's the co-founder of of one of the early Microsoft guys has three Tyrannosaurus Rexes. And when we first saw him, we were like, oh, that guy's the coolest guy on the planet. 
If you ask my 19-year-old son, he'd be like, the guy's a douche. <laughs> like, right. what's he having a Tyrannosaurus Rex in his living room for? That should be in a museum or shared with the people. And so there's this conscious shift that I think you're seeing. And these blockchain ecosystems allow governance to be built into the rule system. And so, you know, it'll be really interesting to watch how the world shifts around how we organize ourselves. Yeah, no, I, it's I, this part of it I'm fascinated by. And you have definitely educated me and I appreciate it so much, Mike. Because I have spent all this time asking you a million questions on my podcast, I then let the guest ask me a question and you can ask me a question about anything. What's your favorite restaurant in New York? Rayo's. Wow. Yeah. I would have to say Rails, but, you know, I have to know somebody to, you know, go eat there. But I like any place that has like a mafia vibe to it and just a lot of Parmesan cheese and pasta. What's your favorite restaurant? Oh, we were debating that. Um, I like Raul's. Oh, well, that's that's my second. That's where George and I go every year on our anniversary. Steak au poivre. Steak au poivre, steak free, yeah. red wine. There you go. Yeah. Profiteroles. Yeah. That's my second favorite. All right. Good stuff. I'm going to go buy Bitcoin. Go buy a Bitcoin. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Is it working? (laughs) I have to be honest. I was um, slightly overwhelmed by the topic, cryptocurrency. And I had listened to a few podcasts and I'd read a bunch of articles about it. And I was still very confused, but I feel like I understand it now. I feel like, yes, it's it's the Wild West, but I have a horse and a saddle and I can sort of ride my way through a little bit. Um, I guess it's the future. I mean, I, I that's what I'm getting. And the more I think about it, it saddens me, the idea that we're going to live in some kind of matrix world. But I do think we have to educate our younger generations, you know, and I was I was sitting here talking to Mike and I thought I've got to sit my girls down and go, you have to understand this world. You have to understand it so that A, you're not afraid of it. And B, if it truly is the future, you got to get on that wagon and they might want to buy a timeshare in the Jersey Shore in the metaverse. I will be in assisted living, but my children, this might be part of their new world if they're not living on Mars with Elon Musk. My big takeaway is to understand, always, to understand what's going on. To understand cryptocurrency is a way to just participate in what's happening in the future. As always, thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I would love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. If you leave a question, you may hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.